Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. You heard the goose, right? This is the Sanders Facts Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of the world's most factual podcast, the Xander's Facts Podcast. Of course, I am the aforementioned Xander. How's it going? Episode 28 we've got this week on Wednesday, August 11. We are super excited because this week is a big week. All the weeks are big weeks, but this week might just be a special big week. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about, but first, thank you all for listening. And remember, if you like the Xander's Facts podcast, if you've liked all the facts that we've brought you in the previous 27 episodes and we're about to bring to you in the 28th episode, then remember, click that follow button, download, rate, review, and then go on social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those. Follow, like, heart, Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends about the Xander's Facts podcast. Spread the facts to everyone you know. and. If you haven't listened to any of our 27 past episodes, or you missed one, go back and listen to them. Sanders Facts Podcast, and click that download button on all those episodes, too. Big week this week. We got politics and sports, of course, Sanders Facts everywhere. But first, we're going to start by talking about everyone's favorite, the weather. No, no, not! Because the weather's been kind of rough recently. Here in Virginia... It has been above 90 degrees for the last few days. It's hot and sunny, and it rained today. It was the first time it rained in two weeks, and currently, where I am, we are in a moderate drought, which is not that great. And last year, where I was in, we had record flooding that caused a ton of damage to businesses in my town. And now we've got a drought, even though we just got a rainstorm today. So in fact... As of Thursday, August 5th, that's last week, 55% of Virginia is under some kind of drought. That's mostly Western Virginia. The eastern half has actually gotten rain. But that's not nearly as bad as what is happening out west. No, no, no. Uh Uh-oh. So, taking a look at the drought map, which is provided by NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the west region, they break them into regions, the west region is comprised of the states of California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. Ton of states. And currently, only 1.5% of the land in those states combined is not under some kind of drought. Yikes! Currently. 95% is under a moderate drought. 88% of that area is under a severe drought. And 64% is under an extreme drought. And 26% is under exceptional drought, which is as high as it gets. Every single state that I mentioned in that region, except for New Mexico, is entirely covered by drought. In California, 88% is under extreme drought. And 46% of California is under exceptional drought. As I said, as high as it gets whoa but that's not all in the northern plains they're dealing with significant drought too in colorado wyoming the dakotas even minnesota and if you want to know if you're under a drought i linked the u.s drought monitor into the episode's description it's the first link on there 
and then back to California because they've got, with along with the drought, it's wildfire season, and they've got a bunch of wildfires, including the Dixie Fire, which is in the Sierra Nevada right now in Northeast California. That has grown to become the second largest wildfire in the history of California, and as of Monday, was only 21% contained and con- has consumed 489,287 acres. The only wildfire that has been larger in California's history was the complex fire last year, which consumed over a million acres. And that just adds on to already one of the worst wildfire seasons that the West has ever seen. One that many in California said was already off to an early start back in May. And in mid-July, had consumed three times as much land as the same time last year in 2020. And 2020 brought the worst wildfire season that California had ever seen. 4.1 million acres of land had been burned last year. Whoops. And it's worse this year. And it's not just in the U.S. If you haven't heard, there's a massive wildfire burning right now in Greece on the Greek island of Evia. That is one of just hundreds that have appeared over the last few weeks in Greece. In Japan, they had to rush all the outdoor competitions in the Olympics. They had to finish them earlier than scheduled because two tropical storms were about to hit the islands. In the Caribbean, there's a tropical storm that's moving its way towards the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, and the Dominican Republic, where tropical storm warnings have been issued for the coming days. And if the system develops, it would be the sixth named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season, Fred. And the cone of uncertainty right now puts South Florida, Miami, in the storm's track for Saturday. And typically, the third-named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season forms on August 13th, and the fifth-named storm of the 2021 season, Elsa, the one before this, set a record for the earliest formation of a fifth-named storm into the season last month. Fact! So that's all that's going on in the weather right now. Why... Did I just mention all those to you? Why would you do this to me? Well, because on Monday, we found out something interesting. We got a new report from the United Nations, specifically the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is an intergovernmental body of the United Nations. They released their sixth assessment report. A collection of the world's leading climate scientists relied on more than 14,000 studies from around the globe to update the world, us, on the latest understandings of the physical science on, guess what, climate change. Oh, what are we going to talk about this week? Ugh. You guessed it, climate change. Is it real? Is it not? We don't know. Actually, we do know. Because the report said that we do know, and that it is real. The panel found in their report that there is no remaining scientific doubt that humans are fueling climate change. Sorry, Donnie boy, but it is happening. They say it is, quote, unequivocal that human influence has warmed the atmosphere, ocean, and land, unquote. And looking back over centuries and thousands of years, the changes brought to the climate system that we have right now are unprecedented. Scientists say that the last time the carbon dioxide levels on Earth changed at this much of a rate, was 66 million years ago, which was when the meteor that killed the dinosaurs struck. So, and that 
didn't turn out too well for the living organisms on Earth. Most of them. That's blasphemy! Uh, that doesn't sound too good. And the report also outlined how human-induced climate change is currently affecting the climate and our everyday weather across the globe, including the events that I mentioned earlier. The wildfires, the hurricanes, well, the tropical storms right now, but the hurricanes, the droughts, the excessive rainfall, all of it! Spitting the truth! And there's more, too. The ice caps are melting. And since 1850, each of the past four decades has been successively warmer than any preceding it. Carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere have not been this high in two million years. The oceans are turning acidic. That's not good. Sea levels are rising. That's not good. Arctic ice is evaporating. That's not good. And weather-related disasters continue to increase in size and numbers. Like tornadoes, too. We're seeing more tornadoes! That's not good because they destroy your homes. Really? This report was 1,300 pages. It was huge. And don't worry, I did not read it all. However, I did read a 45 about page summary that outlined everything that was in it. So I'll tell you what was in the report beyond that. Here we go. The report outlines the current state of the climate, what the future could entail for us, what is driving a rise in greenhouse gases, and what we can do to help limit future changes. Maybe not you specifically, but us as a people, as a world can do so you may have seen the title of this podcast code red for humanity wonder why that is well the secretary general of the united nations had something to say about that the findings he said were so horrific that he described them as a quote code red for humanity unquote there you go how about that he said we must find ways to limit warming as much as possible saying quote there is no time for delay and no room for excuses unquote that is true And the Biden administration's special envoy for climate and former Secretary of State, when the Paris Accord was passed, we'll talk about that in a second, your boy, John Kerry, said real action is what the world now requires, saying, quote, we can get to the low-carbon economy we urgently need, but time is not on our side, unquote. And the report's findings outline how, how much time has been wasted and that much is not left to reverse the current trends. So as I mentioned, in 2015, the Paris Climate Accord, which you may know about, was signed by over 170 nations, including the U.S., that set a goal to prevent global temperatures from rising by no more than 2 degrees Celsius, that's 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, by the end of the century, by the year 2100. And then, when your boy Donnie became POTUS, he said, I don't think so. And we backed out. But now, because we got a good guy in, Joey B, we're back in it. All right. Cool facts, bro. Many nations, however, argued at the time, especially island nations, that a 1.5 degree Celsius goal should be taken to act more aggressively. However, the report states, not the Paris Climate Accord, the report that just came out on Monday states that the Earth has already warmed more than one degree Celsius since the pre-industrial age and could pass the 1.5 degree Celsius mark by the early 2030s. The pre-industrial age is before the mid-1700s or so, before we started getting all these factories that started polluting. That's a good measurement we have because after we started polluting, then we put all this carbon dioxide in the air and then it all just got janky. So that's a lot. When you see the 
one degree Celsius or the one and a half degrees Celsius or two degrees Celsius. That's what they're talking about is the increase from the pre-industrial age to now. In order to have an even chance of limiting warming to one and a half degrees Celsius, which is 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit, the report says that humans can only unleash less than 500 additional gigatons of carbon dioxide, which is the equivalent of around 10 years of current global emissions. Good to know. Any additional warming beyond 2 degrees Celsius could bring... Here it comes! ...what they are calling doomsday scenarios to the globe. Doomsday! Terrible! What are they? Let's talk about it because the report states many ways that the climate changing, getting warmer, can affect us in the future. It states that unless we have deep reductions in carbon dioxide, CO2, and other gas emissions in the air occur in the coming decades, global warming is going to shoot past one and a half degrees Celsius and two degrees Celsius. And then we get the doomsday scenarios. And that's not very good. It's true. This could lead to increases in the frequency and intensity of heat waves, which we have seen across the West right now. We're seeing one millions and millions of people in the country right now in the United States are seeing temperatures over 100 degrees. It's the hottest it's been in a while right now. Where I am in Virginia, it's pretty hot. We could see more of those. And heat waves could get hotter. Heavy precipitation, droughts, hurricanes and cyclones. And it would reduce the sea ice in the Arctic, snow cover and permafrost and high elevations and in areas near the poles. So... As I said, heat waves that have already ravaged the West Coast this year, not just California, the Pacific Northwest too, areas where they don't have air conditioning, and it's been really rough. Man, that was rough. These heat waves could become as much as 5 degrees Fahrenheit hotter on average. So what you saw, if you live out in the West, this earlier this summer, add 5 degrees onto that on average. It's going to be a little rough. This is also going to cause more and more heat to be absorbed into the oceans. And right now, a way that the Earth is actually helping slow the pace of warming is by heat getting absorbed into the oceans. The water cycle. Whoa! However, when we put excess heat into the ocean, it's not as effective at doing the job as it has been. So that could hinder our efforts kind of, if warming continues to help limit warming. The ice caps in the Arctic will continue to melt, rising sea levels to a potential of more than six feet, six feet, that could devastate coastal communities in the coming decades, like Miami. In South Florida, they have flooding on days where it is perfectly sunny outside. Areas like New York, The Hampton Roads in Virginia, all these coastal communities could be devastated by a six-feet rise in the sea level. That'd be bad. It could trigger the collapse of the Greenland ice sheet, which we desperately need, and would destroy the world's coral reefs. Oops! Those things are pretty. You want to get rid of those? Apparently. And many of these changes would be irreversible for centuries, including the rise in sea levels and the loss of of those ice sheets in the Arctic, which would increase the sea levels if they melted. So basically, what has led to these developments? How did we get here? Well, the climate has gone through ages of 
warmth and cold like the Ice Age before. But nothing of this magnitude, much of it, can relate to the Industrial Age, as I said, beginning in the mid to late 1700s that brought the rise in factories that released carbon dioxide and pollution, and then eventually in Europe everything got smoggy, and they were like, why is everything smoggy? Oh, maybe it's the factories we found out 200 years later. This has continued up until today, and probably past today, as the levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere continue to increase. Scientists of the report claim that the intense fires and heat waves that we're experiencing across the globe would be almost impossible. That's what they said, in a world unaltered by human activities. The increasing thirstiness of the air, is what they're calling it, has risen by warming. And we can tell these are changing the way our climate works because we're seeing more extreme weather events. They are becoming more common. Hurricanes are getting stronger. They're getting more frequent. We're getting stronger tornadoes that are destroying more things. They're getting more common. We're seeing larger wildfires out west. We're seeing larger drought seasons out west. We're seeing lakes evaporate. Uh, you probably heard of the Hoover Dam's Lake, Lake Mead, out in the west, which is drying up. But there's also lakes, apparently, in Siberia and Iran, over on the other side of the world, that are drying up. It's everywhere. We're watching all these events become more common. We're watching the Arctic sea ice levels continue to dwindle. And you can notice that the famous cherry trees in Japan, they keep blossoming earlier and earlier because of climate change. It's all true! So what exactly can we do to help limit the warming of the earth and prevent these disasters, Xander? Because I'm freaking out! Well, I don't know. I will tell you, the report notes that we are entering what they say is, quote, uncharted territory, unquote, because we have never seen these types of events, and we've never seen this type of warming play out in modern human history. I told you the last time something like this happened where the carbon levels in the atmosphere changed as much as they did was when the dinosaurs became extinct, and that was a long time ago. How'd that go? So they give us a best-case scenario, is what they're calling it, which is basically the best we can hope for at the moment. The report requires, in the best-case scenario, that the world needs to rapidly phase out fossil fuels, it needs to embrace renewable energy on a massive scale, and overhaul how humans work, eat, and travel. Overhaul your life. Which uh, probably need to happen, because you probably emit a lot of fumes. This would require the el elimination of emissions of carbon dioxide from coal, oil, and gas, and curb powerful but short-lived greenhouse gases like methane, which comes from cows and leaky fossil fuels, and nitrous oxide, which comes from farm fertilizers. Apparently farms and agriculture is a big producer of greenhouse gases, which is not good. This would require natural systems like forests and new human inventions like carbon capture operations to pull carbon dioxide from the atmosphere so we can take back some of that carbon dioxide that we have released into the atmosphere so it doesn't mess it up even further. It's a fact. This scenario would have us reach net zero emissions across the world by 2050 with warming stabilizing at one and a half degrees Celsius as glaciers would stop shrinking 
and sea levels would rise slower than before. They would still rise. That's the best case scenario. That's cool. However, this would create a new planet, basically, that us humans would have to adapt to. We gotta change our way of life in order to accommodate the planet or else we're screwed. That's what it says. And with warming at 2 degrees Celsius, this is moving on from the best case scenario, air would hold more moisture than it can currently. It would create more extreme droughts and it would create more extreme rainfall events. At 4 degrees Celsius, now we're at 4, intense heat waves that used to occur every 50 years would become annual. You hear about the once in a thousand years flood that happens every year now. I mean, that's basically because of climate change. True that! The report says that any warming over 2 degrees Celsius, if we get hotter than that, it could also increase the risk of setting off feedback processes that can cause climate change to accelerate. So once we get past that 2 degrees Celsius mark, it could shoot up because the increase in average temperatures in the Arctic could cause permafrost to, to thaw, which is not good because that would unleash carbon that has been frozen for thousands and thousands of years in the ice out into the atmosphere. It would unveil methane that has been stuck in the deep sea forever. Too many facts. And that's not good for the atmosphere. It would cause more wildfires that could also turn millions of acres into carbon-rich forests, which would add a source of greenhouse gases, which are not good, and they would all impact air quality around the world and allow it to continually get worse. We already have air quality alerts everywhere, especially in big cities. And now, we might make them more common. Disgusting! So, as I said, in that best case scenario, we've already looked at sea levels are going to continue to rise. So what has been permanently changed? There are some things that we have changed that are going to continue to change that we can do everything we can right now, and they will continue to go in a bad direction. They cannot be changed now. The report highlights that Decades and centuries of increasing emissions and warming temperatures have caused seasonal snow cover across the northern hemisphere to shrink and that it will continue. Like on the tall mountains of California, they're seeing less and less snow cover each year. The sea levels, as I mentioned, are also going to continue to rise. Yet the amount is going to be determined by our efforts to curb emissions in the atmosphere. We're also going to see... These extreme weather events, they are almost destined to continue throughout the next century as well. However, how these impact humans is going to depend on what actions we take to curb climate change now and in the future. Bold move there. There are ways, as I mentioned, to reduce and eliminate the future emission of greenhouse gases, as well as ways to pull carbon out of the atmosphere. We just gotta come up with that stuff. However, the report notes that these efforts will require huge amounts of time and energy that has never been seen before towards these causes. So, oh, let's take a breath, because that was all a little bit much. I'll be honest with you. Slow down there! It outlined a bunch of actions, though, we can take to help stop these measures, which a lot of, hopefully, politicians and leaders are going to abide by and look at, because... In 2015, when we signed that Paris Climate Accord, the U.S. 
and 170 other nations. The goal, as I said, was two degrees Celsius, and it does not require those nations to take the steps outlined to get to those goals, but it definitely recommends them, which means countries, the largest emitters, like China and the U.S. Xander spreading lies. And Russia, the largest countries. Don't have to do any of that, but they signed this treaty or accord saying that they would, so... You know. You dummy. We really haven't. I mean, the last four years were pretty bad. We didn't do anything. In fact, there was a ton of deregulation on coal, oil, gas, all that stuff. Non-renewable resources because apparently coal is clean and beautiful. That's what I was told. But apparently that's not true. What do you say? And of course, the last administration pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord back in 2017 or what was it? However... Of course, we came back into it this year with our boy, Joe Biden, the president. He recommitted to the Paris Climate Accord this year. However, committing doesn't mean squat if you don't do the actions that the accord tells you to do to limit global warming. That's a whole other issue. This is where actually the new infrastructure bill that was just passed on Tuesday by the Senate, hooray, Yep, helps. It invests in clean energy sources like wind, solar, geothermal, and hydro, and it increases funds for electric cars, tax credit for electric cars if you're going to buy one, it increases funds for electric car charging stations so you can charge your car. Hopefully, the goal would be to have Electric car charging stations replace gas stations. Everywhere there was a gas station, there could be an electric car charging station. And the thing with electric cars is you can even charge them in your home. Wow! That's pretty cool. So we may not even need all those because then you could charge it at your home. How about that? Sanders facts. Yet the findings of the report are undoubtedly grim. And that was acknowledged by the lead author of the report, Claudia Tabaldi, who is a scientist at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. This report is one of several that the panel has been commissioned to provide over the next several years that is hopefully going to guide those in power around the world on what steps to take to avoid future disaster, like the ones we outlined before. Because sea level rise, more heat waves, more droughts, wildfires, hurricanes, tropical storms, severe thunderstorms. We, I mean, we like rain, but we don't like it when it comes down at, you know, you get five inches of rain an hour. That's not good. And then you get severe winds that destroy your buildings and homes, and that's not good. And tornadoes are bad too. Like all that stuff is bad. Awful. We could be at an increased risk. We'd be living in another world, basically, in the climate, if we continue To just keep emitting, emitting, emitting. And if we just keep emitting, 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 we're going to get rid of these non-renewable resources. Then we're not going to have any coal or oil or natural gas or gas left. And we're going to be like, what are we going to do? That's why we should transfer over to wind, solar, hydro, geothermal. Because wind's not going to go away. The sun, hopefully, is not going to go away. Water, hopefully, is not going to go away. The ground's not going to, hopefully, go away. So... Those things are renewable energy resources that we can use instead of coal and 
gasoline and all that stuff that is terrible for the environment. And it makes you sick. So it's terrible for you too. So we need to get rid of all of this. And if you'd like to see this report, if you actually like to read, it's 1300 pages, but they also have like a 45 page summary, which I read and I recommend if you want to learn more about it. That has been linked in the episode's description. That's the second link at ipcc.ch is what it says on the link in this episode's description. So check it out because that is what's going on in the climate right now. It's not good. Duh. But we've got ways where we can help mitigate and curb its effects. We can't undo it right now. That's The report says we've done damage. However, the amount of damage that we can do can be limited by our actions right now. So hopefully we can get some action. Not just by the U.S., but by other countries, too. And apparently there's going to be a big conference in Scotland in November, I believe, that is going to be focusing on climate change. So hopefully something can be done there. That's what I've got for politics this week. But stick around because right after this, we're going to go into sports because we've got more football, not football. Football. We're going to talk about that because club soccer season is just starting. Plus, Olympics review. We talked about it a little last week, but the Olympics are finally over. So we're going to get into that. Did the U.S. win? If you don't know, you'll find out right after this as the Zaders Facts Podcast continues. Zaders Facts. Hey guys, what's happening? Zader here. So, you know what's also here? Summer. How about that? I love summer. And what do you need for summer? Well, the essentials, of course. And Instacart can help you out with all of your summer needs. I know we all have Instacart. So, Instacart will set out a personal shopper to deliver your favorite products from local stores to your door in as fast as an hour. I mean, come on. How about that? Plus, You can choose from a ton of stores around you to always get what you need. Instacart helps you to find the best deals on all the things you usually buy and will give you smart suggestions for new items that you might like. So what are you waiting for? Use the link in this episode's description if you're a new customer to get free delivery on your first order above $35 and go shop without even leaving your home with Instacart today. Xander's Facts? Welcome back in to episode 28 of the Xander's facts podcast let's move into some sports right now some lighter topics because that was kind of grim what we started earlier but let's get into some happiness here tell me tell me european club soccer because this weekend is a big weekend for a bunch of european club soccer leagues they start this weekend after a wild summer there was the euros the gold cup here in the u.s the olympics had soccer Now, club soccer returns to their regular seasons, and a bunch of them start this weekend. There are five top leagues in Europe, and let's start with the top one. The 20 teams of Europe's top soccer leagues start play this weekend. On Friday, it's the English Premier League. So last year, it was Manchester City eh, who ran away with the league title. It really wasn't close. And then... In the All-English UEFA Champions League final, they were upset by Chelsea. Ya boys! So now, Man City said, well, I don't like that. 
So they added Jack Grealish, who's pretty good, in the most expensive English soccer transfer ever, as their manager, Pep Guardiola, looks to win his first Champions League title with Man City. However, the defending Champions League victors, Chelsea, have the world's greatest player. Really? Christian Pulisic, you know the name, and they're gearing up for their first full season under their new manager, Thomas Tuchel, who got them into Champions League for this season. They finished top four in the EPL. They won the Champions League last year against Man City. They upset Man City in that match. We'll see what Chelsea can do. And then Liverpool is also there. They won the Premier League two years ago in 2019. They get one of their key pieces back, Virgil van Dijk, from injury. He got injured last year and they struggled. However, they did qualify for Champions League for this season. And then the other Manchester club, Manchester United, finished second last year. They hope to turn that finish into a first place trophy this year. Plus, if you haven't heard, there's transfer watch out for Tottenham star Harry Kane. He reportedly wants out, and Man City is reportedly his top choice. Man City, ugh. Something to keep an eye on. So you might want to pay attention here because Xander is going to make some predictions. And you all know how great Xander is at predictions. Except for soccer. Because I don't... I guess I picked France for the Euros and that was a disaster. Whatever. However, to win the Premier League at the beginning of the season, Xander's going to make a pick. For all five leagues too. But for the Premier League, Xander has got, ya boys, Chelsea! Winning the Premier League. Nice try, buddy. Pulisic. Aya. All games in the U.S. for the Premier League. If you want to watch them, air on NBC Sports. Now, in Germany, the Bundesliga also starts on Friday. Last year's champions and the Champions League winners of 2020, Bayern Munich, they return arguably the top squad in the league, headlined by superstar Polish player, Robert Lewandowski, who has won four straight top scorer titles. And this year, Bayern gained a new manager who was the manager of last year's second place team in the Bundesliga, Julian Nagelsmann. Bayern are going for their 10th straight Bundesliga title. They have won 10 straight league titles in Germany. Who? The most of any current team out of the top five leagues by far. Speaking of, that second place team is RB Leipzig. They gain a new manager in Austria's FC Salzburg's Jesse Marsh, who is an American. I gotta root for him. And they also have United States men's national team starter Tyler Adams, and they've never won the Bundesliga. But they were second last year, and they were pretty close. And since 2017, they've only finished outside of the top three once. And then, of course, out of those big three, there's also Borussia Dortmund, who return as top contenders as well. They have only finished outside the top three once since 2016. So who is Xander's pick? Well, kind of alluded to it earlier, but they've got the American new manager. They've never won it. RB Leipzig. Book it. Too many facts. The German Bundesliga champions this year. And if you want to watch the Bundesliga in the U.S., all games air on ESPN+. To Spain where the news hasn't been so great for Spain recently, La Liga, because FC Barcelona superstar Lionel Messi announced he could not come to terms with his longtime club 
after he signed a new contract with them this summer because of La Liga money issues, apparently. Salary cap. I don't, I don't know what that was. However, so he's gone. However, they have picked up Sergio Aguero from Man City, who's pretty good, who, lo- who had a rough year last year. He looks put that behind him. We'll see if that happens. On the other side, Real Madrid came within two points of the league title last year, and they returned top guys like Luka Modric, Gareth Bale, Eden Hazard, while last year's champions of La Liga, Atletico Madrid, and their star striker, Luis Suarez, they became the first club not named Barcelona or Real Madrid to win the league for the first time last year since 2014. And the last time that happened before that was in 2004, Valencia won. That was a fact. Who's going to win it this year? Well, they've got the guys, as I said. La Liga, the winners will be Real Madrid. Book it, Xander's facts. And if you want to watch La Liga for the first time this year, all the games will be aired in the U.S. on ESPN+. Over to France now, which has had some pretty good news recently, and the Ligue 1 won which started last Friday. Big news. Paris Saint-Germain, who was the best squad in League One, they signed one of the greatest ever play. Might have heard of him because we just mentioned him. Lionel Messi, they got him for a two-year deal, and they added him to an already stacked squad that has his former teammate Neymar from Barcelona, Kylian Mbappe, the Frenchman, Sergio Ramos, all those guys. However, they didn't win the league last year. It was Lille who won the league by one point. They beat out PSG by one point. And prior to that, PSG had won seven of the last eight league titles. Will they be able to do it again? I say yes. Paris Saint-Germain, the winners of League One in France, Xander's Facts. Another fact. And League One airs in the U.S. on BN Sports. I don't even know what that is, so sorry you can't watch any League One games. Finally, the last major soccer league in Europe is the Serie A in Italy. That kicks off next weekend. Last year, Inter Milan surprised many by becoming the first squad other than Juventus to win a Serie A title since 2011 and not far behind them AC Milan they've got a solid squad they've got Olivier Giroud who was on Chelsea they've got a guy you might know in the U.S. Zlatan Ibrahimovic he was with LA Galaxy he's back in Italy and of course Juventus returns they've got arguably some people say the best player in the world Cristiano Ronaldo I don't believe them because Christian Pulisic of course he's with them for now though There's some transfer rumors. Might see about Ronaldo. He might not be with Juventus, but we'll see. But I will pick Juventus to win Serie A this year because they won it every year since 2011, except for last year when Inter Milan won. Juventus was like fourth, too. They struggled, but I think they get back to the winning ways. Juventus wins Serie A. Xander's facts. And for the first time this year, all games in the U.S. will air on CBS or Paramount Plus, either of those. Now... Listen up. On Wednesday, the day this podcast comes out, there's another big game in Europe. It's called the Super Cup. I think we talked about it with the Champions League because I mentioned that the Super Cup is when the champions of the Champions League play the champions of the Europa League. So, on Wednesday, the Champions League winners, Chelsea, ya boys, will play 
the winners of the Europa League, Villarreal, who I did not pick. I do believe I picked Chelsea on this podcast, and I said that to win. So, there you go, another Xander's fact. Original. Villarreal beat Manchester United in the Europa League. So, those two teams, Chelsea and Villarreal, face off in the UEFA Super Cup. Xander's going to make another prediction. Who's he going to pick? Well, of course, he's going to pick the best player in the world, Christian Pulisic, and Chelsea, they're going to win the Super Cup. And if you want to watch that game, that airs Wednesday, the day this podcast comes out. 3 o'clock Eastern on CBS Sports Network. So if you're listening to this past Wednesday, I don't know what you're doing, but sorry, Xander's facts. Quit whining. Now, finally, in soccer, if you're like me and you just want to keep track of the U.S. stars that play in Europe, like Pulisic, then I've got you set because I'm going to tell you all the squads that the top players play for. So first off, as we've mentioned on this podcast... For goalkeepers, Zach Steffen, remember him, he's the starter right now for the U.S. That's a little shaky right now. But he returns as the second string for Manchester City. And Ethan Horvath, who was the star in that Nations League final, he makes the jump to England. He plays for EFL Championship side Nottingham Forest. The EFL Championship is the second tier of English football behind the Premier League. It's the truth. In the Bundesliga right now, John Brooks... Headlines VFL Wolfsburg, midfielder Tyler Adams plays for RB Leipzig, who's going to win the whole thing, and your boy 18-year-old Giovanni Reina suits up for Borussia Dortmund. Giovanni Reina, 18 years old, already one of the best players on the U.S. men's national team. Watch out. In La Liga, Serginho Dest, he's an unsteady piece for FC Barcelona right now. Apparently they tried to move him. Apparently he doesn't want to go, so we'll see. But he's still pretty good for the U.S. team. And over back to England right now, I told you, your boy Christian Pulisic, he's at Chelsea. And Josh Sargent, he just made a move from Germany over to Norwich City, which is also in the Premier League. And elsewhere, breakout midfielder Brendan Aronson, who's done well with the second team so far for the U.S., he just scored a game winner for Austria's Red Bull Salzburg in a friendly against Barcelona last week. He is in Austria and another top U.S. player, midfielder Weston McKinney, plays with Ronaldo over at Juventus. A ton of stuff to get excited for for soccer because it is almost mid-August now, and that's what's going on. We'll see what happens because football is happening. Football is also happening, though. We're starting to get into it. This week is the first official week of preseason. All the teams start play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I don't know when. But last week was the Hall of Fame game, which, sorry, I didn't watch, and also the Hall of Fame ceremonies for last year and this year, which, sorry, I also didn't watch, but I heard they were exciting! Peyton Manning got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and apparently he gave a speech that now everyone wants him to be the next commissioner. You! Okay, we'll see. Finally, let's do a quick Olympic review, because... As I said, as I talked about last week on the podcast, the U.S. was trailing China in the gold medal race. However, it's over. The Olympics is over now. And the U.S. is no longer trailing China in the gold medal race. They had 39 gold medals. And in the final day they passed China, China got 38. How about that? And the U.S. also got the most total medals They got 113. China was in second. They got 88. The ROC, which is technically Russia, was 71. They got 
third place. And that just adds on for the U.S. This They have had the most gold medals in every Summer Olympics since 2012 and the most total medals since 1996. They're rolling. <laughs> Plus, they got it together in basketball. They won men's and women's basketball. They won the three-on-three basketball. They were rolling. The U.S., Team USA, even though some people apparently didn't want to root for Team USA because some players who are not of their political affiliation, let's just say that. I don't know. That I don't care, but that's it. That's all we've got this week on the Zaders Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and remember, if you want to support the podcast, click that follow button, click that download button on this episode and all of our past episodes. Rate the podcast, review the podcast, if you would, please, and then go on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Create an account if you don't have one. I don't care, and follow one person. That's Xander's Facts. Xander with a Z. And most importantly, tell all your friends, Xander's Facts Podcast, spread the facts. That's the most important thing you can do, please. All that stuff. Promoting the Xander's Facts Podcast. Next week, I've actually got a plan for next week. We're going to talk infrastructure part three. As I mentioned on Tuesday, day before this podcast came out, the Senate finally passed the bipartisan $1 trillion infrastructure bill. Hooray! We already talked about what's in that. However, the Democrats unveiled what is exactly in their $3.5 trillion spending bill, which is the complement to the infrastructure bill. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what is in that. And plus, something exciting here we're going to talk about. A special two-part Xander's Facts is coming up after next week. Because as I mentioned, not football, Football, American football season is around the corner. And of course, Sanders Facts is going to talk about it. We're going to have so many predictions, it's going to make your head spin. And we're going to have football season previews coming up August 25th, two weeks. We're going to have college football next week, September 1st, NFL. That's in three weeks. We're going to talk about all those season previews on the Sanders Facts podcast. It is going to be exciting. So get pumped. For more Zaders Facts, because this Zaders Facts is over. That is a wrap on episode 28 of the Zaders Facts podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see y'all next week.